Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I am the host of the show where I get to talk to Olympic athletes and hopefuls almost on a daily basis at this point to get to hear their story and path to the games. Today, we have Greg Billington of USA Triathlon. Um, this was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Greg is probably one of the most charismatic people that I've ever talked to probably in my entire life. And just getting to learn about his sport or you know, however you like to define it, sports, sport, whatever it is, um, and just really getting to understand kind of what he went through, how he grew up living in Washington a little while, moving to England, uh, living over there, and really getting to understand life a little bit more. It was, it was a lot of fun getting to, to see what, uh, or hear, I guess, what Greg was about and what he's been doing. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. This one was a lot of fun. So one more time, Greg Billington, USA Triathlon. All right, today, special guest, USA Triathlon triathlete i guess it's triathlete right olympian triathlete whatever he went to the olympics greg billington born may 30th 1989 in spokane washington uh raised six mile bottom in england so all the way across the pond for 15 years started competing in triathlons at the age of 10 he attended wake forest and graduated in 2011 and qualified as i said and attended the 26 games 2016 games man i am just messing this whole thing up huh 2016 (laughs) games in rio greg thank you so much for joining us today Oh, thank you. It's a blast to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. So, Greg, that's such a small, boring intro other than the like the Olympic part. I mean, I'm a Duke fan, so Wake Forest, it is what it is. Chris Paul, the whole thing. But if you don't mind, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. I think it'll be more interesting about you telling everybody than me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to encapsulate, encapsulate life in five to ten words, but yeah. you did a great I, job. Thank uh, you. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it was fun growing up over in England. Uh, got to travel a lot growing up and I think that's been you know a key thing that defined my childhood and defined why I wanted to be you know an Olympian it was awesome growing up overseas in England because my parents went over there so they could travel the world and they definitely instilled that in me but more than that it was whenever we traveled whenever we went to somewhere new it's always about being an ambassador for the U.S. an ambassador for my country my family and when when I looked at that it was always about trying to make the best of myself and I saw that in the Olympics so I'm since I was nine um, since I started the sport I wanted to do something that really represented the excellence the, the pinnacle the best I could possibly be and that always became the Olympics and it was moving I started out as a swimmer um, became a runner in high school and then saw that there was an opportunity to combine those things and went for that you know since since I was 18 that was all that was on my mind was training, competing, and trying to be an Olympic triathlete. Um, that was the, that was it. There was a lot of other things that I did along the way, but that was really the core, core goal, core goal for me. Love it, man. That is fantastic. And yeah, as you said, kind of from such a young age, being almost an ambassador to the United States, I mean, clearly that carried over relatively well. Um, and you did a pretty killer job back in 2016. So we appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy and we appreciate you representing our country. We can, we couldn't thank you enough for that. So one thing I do want to, can you actually just explain what a triathlon is? Just like what it is and, and then why would anyone want to get into a sport like this? Triathlon is the most physically grueling, excruciating, but exhilarating experience that one person can do in an athletic endeavor. It combines both the fearsome competitiveness of swimming, the speed and the skill on a bike, and then the final just grueling effort of a run to bring an athlete to the finish line, cross it, and feel like a champion. I I love triathlon. It was thrilling, especially for me. The Olympics is a draft legal format, which means that in the bike, you're in this big, tight, 
bunch of cyclists and you're flying around these corners because when you're in that tight bunch, everybody's drafting on everybody else, which means everybody's going way faster than they could by themselves. And then when you combine that speed with the technical prowess that's needed to, to finish those courses that are designed specifically for the draft legal events that have sharp hairband corners, really steep descents, tough climbs, man, it was a thrilling all-out race from the beginning to the end. And I, I love that about triathlon. That is, that, that, I mean, I'm amped, man. Let's go. Teach me. Let's go. Let's do teach one. Me, teach me what I need to do. <laughs> I ran a 5K once um, yeah. in New York City um, the day before the New York City Marathon. So they allowed me to cross that finish line. And I felt pretty killer about that. Um, uh-huh. but, you know, to each his own, I guess. To each his own. I'll let you do your thing. I'll do mine. And I think everyone will be much happier for it. Uh, so that's fantastic. So what, what, like, what actually got you into trying out this sport? Because, again, it is very... Um, I don't want to say out there. I mean, considering the three things everybody's done at one point in their life, right? Um, but what made you actually be like, hey, let me actually combine all these and compete in events like this? Yeah. Um, so I got early exposure to it. I think you mentioned um, my first triathlon was when I was 10. Definitely wasn't doing it seriously then. But I was, you know, I started out wanting to go to the Olympics when I was nine. So I was already a really serious maybe not good but very serious swimmer um and then my family wanted to do a triathlon so when i was 10 did this triathlon it started out um on the lake and heath military base swimming pool because my dad was a teacher for the military he taught high school Um, so it started off on the base swimming pool there and then uh drove like 30 minutes and did the next leg, which was the bike and the run in a big forest. So I did my first triathlon swimming in that base swimming pool and then riding on the back of a tandem with my dad and then running through the Thetford forest. And it was a, you know, it was a really fun event, beautiful way to get started in the sport. No pressure, just a lot of fun. Um, so when I ended up being a pretty good swimmer and a pretty good runner and still wanted to go to the Olympics, um, it was a natural conclusion to to come to that event because it was fun. I had good memories and it combined two things I already loved doing. Look at that. And you just throw in that third one, right? That's fantastic. And actually I forgot to ask how long is a triathlon? How long is each leg of it? And, and how long does it usually take? And then I guess distance wise as well. Sure thing. Yeah. There are a lot of different distances of triathlons for uh, some people. I think what they would immediately think of is the Ironman distance, which is 140.6 miles total, but the Olympic distance um, is shorter. It takes a little bit less than two hours if you're gunning it in one of these pro events. And the swim is 1,500 meters, so almost a mile. The bike is 40 kilometers, so about 25 miles. And the run is 10 kilometers, so about six and a quarter miles. Okay, very cool. I could probably do half of one. Oh, yeah, I did half of one of those. So, yeah, I'm I'm one-sixth of the way there. Let's do it. And my girlfriend swims, so maybe we'll let her do that leg, and I'm sure I can find someone to do a bike. So that's fantastic. Um, so what um, you went, you moved over to England at a very young age. You grew up there for 15 years, you said. What was that like? Um, I guess from a pride, American pride perspective, you said you always felt like an ambassador in these places, but what was it like kind of growing up and kind of always looking, I guess, across the pond at you know, what you – think of the most I, I don't know exactly how to ask that question do you know what I'm trying to say yeah I think so um so you start up and I, I lived there for 15 15 years right um and you know you have the American accent you definitely feel a bit different but at the same time there's a phenomenal 
club sporting system over in England. So a lot of the sports in the U.S. are really closely associated to your high school, to your college, whatever. But in England, um, they really have individual clubs that are sort of associated with communities, which meant that there were a lot of opportunities to be involved in highly. Wow, that's loud in the background. That is loud. That is very loud. I'll, uh, right, I'll, I'll, I'll pause for a second here. <laughs> Sounds like we're good. Um, what was great club about sports. growing up in England was the club sporting system um, because it gave you an opportunity to really easily jump into clubs that would have people from young ages to old. So I swam on the Cambridge University swim team. Um, so there were people at Cambridge University swimming there, but then also, you know, kind of young people growing up. So you'd always have these older kind of mentors to look up to. Um, and the triathlon club, Cambridge Triathlon Club that I was part of as well was, was similar. There were great athletes that I could look up to. Will Clark, I remember he was competing in the Commonwealth Games when I was starting into the sport. So it was, it was phenomenal to have that sort of pipeline of development. And I, I felt lucky to be able to train over there growing up. Very cool, man. And it worked out clearly because um, you reached your goal. And I think that is just absolutely incredible. So what? Um, so you, after Wake Forest, you're, you're competing at Wake Forest, you graduate in 2011, and you become a professional triathlete. Say it with me, everybody, professional triathlete. Um, so what, what was that like in trying to maintain the training, the nutrition, the coaching, the everything that you needed, equipment, I'm assuming bikes break every once in a while. What was it like trying to maintain all those things and make up enough money and still have a personal life and, and see your family occasionally and travel and do all these things. What was that like? And how did you kind of maintain that balance um, to a degree? Yeah. Uh, balance is overrated, Michael. Love it. Balance is overrated. <laughs> That's what my coach tried to teach me and it. I learned that lesson. Well, yeah, you graduate, I graduated and it was all in. Um, I think that's how most professional athletes are, is you're all in. And triathlon is lucky that there's um, a, a pretty good following in the U.S. There's good um, circuits to go compete on where there's decent prize money. The U.S. governing body is, is great, USA Triathlon. Um, they really try hard to make sure um, to keep a pipeline of athletes coming in so that you know they'll compete on the world level and hopefully win. Olympic medals. Um, and then also there are phenomenal sponsors out there who, you know, have a great, there's great communities of people who run, who bike and who swim. So there's, there's great sponsors out there who can, you know, take these athletes and, and help them uh, achieve their dreams and at the same time, you know, appeal to that large body of people who are doing swimming, biking and running. So I got to work with Brooks Running and Kestrel Bikes and Roca Sports who gave me somewhere. So that helped with that. And then for a long time, I lived at the Olympic training center uh, in Colorado Springs right after I graduated. Um, and that was a phenomenal place to be just because you were surrounded by athletes in a bunch of different sports and you could see the challenges that they all went through, see the mistakes they made and how they responded to those mistakes to overcome obstacles. Um, and just living in that environment was hugely inspirational. Um, I was lucky at the end also, um, to be able to be part of a very specific uh, triathlon squad. We had a coach, Paolo Sousa, and there were just the beginning, just four or five of us guys living in a tiny house going for the Olympics. And that's kind of what it took. Um, there's enough money in triathlon that we could afford it. But at the same time, it was every day, heads down, going for it. You know, you were lucky to go home for Christmas to take, take a day off or so. But, you know, really, really our days off would be the flights that we take to races mm -hmm. it would be like, Oh, Oh, you get to taper now because you have this 24 hour flight to get you down to South Africa. 
um, it was all in and it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's incredible. I love it. Who needs balance anyway? Who needs balance? Who needs balance anyway? <laughs> that, that's incredible, man. And again, thankfully you, um, you, you were the one representing us doing that and not me because probably wouldn't have made it too far. So we appreciate you a lot, Greg. Thank you so much for that. Um, what, like, I guess, so you, as you said, there was, there's enough money in, um, triathlon that you guys were able to like live your lives and you weren't, it doesn't sound like you were struggling. Um, it doesn't sound like you could have had a job even if you wanted one. What, how much did the United States or, or your sponsors specifically help you to make sure that you had the highest possible, as we were saying before, training, nutrition, recovery, all that stuff where was most of that for lack of a better term given to you, or is that something that you had to go out and seek and, and find those specific sponsors for all of those things? Yeah. Um, to say that anything is, is given to you in the sport might be a bit of an exaggeration. Yes, that's why I said not given. Yeah. That's, I prefaced. <laughs> oh, I prefaced. Yeah. Oh, no, I made no, sure no, I made sure to preface. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's, there's money out there, but you have to find the ways that you're creating value for people. So you create value for USA Triathlon by competing well on the international mm -hmm. circuit. You create value for your sponsors, um, not just by racing well, but also by having a positive social media presence, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. you know, a, a challenge and a battle on its own. Some athletes are better at it than others. I was not that great, but lucky I had um, sponsors who were, you know, willing to support me. And all those things is just about creating an ecosystem where everybody's creating value for the other person. Um, you wouldn't get funding from the U S government. If you're not competing well on the international level, you're not going to get a sponsor if you're not creating value for them. Um, so it's, it's hard, but, um, mm -hmm. it was phenomenal. I felt very lucky that I was able to afford to pursue my dream for, you know, six, seven years. Love it. And then, so 2011, you graduate the games 2012. Um, what, was was were the, were the 2012 games a legitimate possibility for you? Was it something that you understood maybe 16 was your best shot? What happened in that year after graduating that either you looked forward to or was there mm -hmm. some sort of maybe disappointment with not making the 2012 games? Of course it was disappointment, but do you, do you kind of know what I mean? I'm not Katie Carey, yeah. man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that year was that year was great. There was a lot of almost – Almost making it, and um, a lot of being really grateful to to even be in that position. Um, right before I graduated from college, uh, 2011, I was out biking, um, getting ready to go pro, and car came out, just bad luck, a lot of rain, nobody could see what was happening, so crashed, um, kind of hit by the car, crashed, broke both my arms. So I spent, huh. you know, 2011 summer in two casts, uh, two, two arm casts running. Uh, that was my first summer living, really living at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. So I was out on the trails every day, running in, running in some casts. I had these two, um, big, just kind of rubber bags that you could flip over your casts, mm -hmm. um, and you know, take all the air out. So it'd be this airtight seal around my casts so I could still swim with a couple casts on my arms. So Went to some training camps, cast on my arms, swimming, trying to bike on the trainer and going for runs, getting ready because, yeah, I won a 2012. When you're an athlete, obviously, you, you think about, oh, I probably have my best shot in 2016. But that's not to say I'm not the best in the world right now. I'm going to have a great shot right now and do everything I can here. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is about you know self-delusion until you make that point 
you achieve that goal and oh it looks like you weren't actually deluded in the first place um so that year was awesome i came back end of that year and had a great race under 23 worlds came fourth um after just being an idiot and leading the whole way and being like yeah i'm gonna win this just from the front and so it stoked on that race and all of a sudden i thought wow 2012 i could i could probably qualify next year if everything goes well so i had a great great winter block of training and the next year came out started racing but because i'd missed the whole year before you know i had no points so i was flying all around the world trying to spending spending all the money i'd saved up trying to hit all these races to get you know enough points to qualify for the olympic trials in 2012 because you had to qualify for the olympic trials um, i remember the last race the last race I had to qualify for the Olympic trials was down in Brazil. Um, it was a fun race and you go down there, um, flew down there and you start swimming and they have, have a great course set up, um, but tons of current in the water. So you jump in the water, you're swimming. It was just, just, crazy out there guys were getting blown off course couldn't make it on the buoy because the current was too strong but i get out of the swim and um i'm getting on the bike we're in this solid pack of guys i'm feeling great about this race because my running's been going well and i know that you know with a solid race here i'm qualifying for my first olympic trials so we're biking and we're biking and then all of a sudden come out of this corner sprinting and boom my chain snaps on my bike and i get off and, you know, bikes, you can't, they don't really work that well without chains. Mm, I've uh, heard that. Just sitting there, yeah, pushing my bike on the side of the road. And I see a friend I'd seen the night before, Connor Murphy. And he'd been talking the day before about how his knee hurt. And so I see him biking really slow. And I'm like, Connor, Connor looks like he's dropping out of this race. So I yell after him, I'm like, Connor, Connor. I need your bike, Connor. Connor, give me your bike. So he's like, okay, Greg. He jumps off his bike. I grab his bike. I jump on. My shoes don't fit on his bike, obviously, because it's a different bike. So I have to get back off, change shoes, put the shoes back on, jump back on his bike. And it works. Bike's too big for me, but it works. Lost a few minutes on the pack, obviously, by now. So I spend the next, you know, 25K, second half of this bike ride, just smashing it, trying to catch up to the leaders until finally finish the bike ride, jump off. I'm maybe like a minute, minute down with 10 K left to run and look at him and I'm just, I'm gunning it. And all of a sudden after a few kilometers, I start passing guys. I have just a ton of guys to pass to make up to the front, to get enough points to qualify for my first Olympic trials. And I'm passing guys finally top 10 then top five. And I finally like the last few hundred meters past the last guy to get on the podium get third, get just enough points to be the last guy to qualify for the 2012 Olympic trials. And so I'm there and there's only six U S guys who get to do that race. So I get to race in San Diego. It was my first, you know, huge kind of Olympic trials event. Um, had an awesome race there, came out, um, and then ended up being the first guy, first U S guy, uh, to miss out on the team at that race. So we had three spots that year. Um, I finished third, first two U.S. guys went, um, but it was phenomenal. I was, you know, obviously disappointed after the race that I didn't qualify, but thrilled because I felt like I had the potential to 
really compete on the world stage to make it in 2016 and to really, really give it a shot. It's races like that that, you know, really help you have faith in yourself going forward that, that you can make something out of a career. That's ridiculous, man. Your bike breaks and you're still able to finish third. I mean, what did those other dudes feel? They must have felt, uh, wow. <laughs> wow, that is some brutal defeat on their part. So it made you ready. It got you ready for 2016. Is there as dramatic of a story behind the 2016 um, <laughs> trials as well? Or was it kind of you weren't hurt, so you had enough points and you didn't have to do um, all that crazy stuff towards the end? Yeah, I'd spent 2014 – Towards the end of my career, I was getting injured a lot. Um, I spent 2014 out uh, for broken broken femur. So 2015, I come back in, had a great great block of great block of racing, great block of training, um, working with my coach. He'd done a good job getting me ready that year, staying healthy. Um, so I had a best great race at the Rio Test event. Um, was top American there, and I had a lot of points going in um, in the Olympic you know, qualification process this time because I didn't have to deal with all the Olympic trials stuff this time it was just about qualifying for the olympics um so did well the rio test event and so that put me in good stead but the olympic trials process for 2016 um was sort of your best two performances out of five races so i knew that on top of the olympic test event in rio which is one of those olympic trials races i had to have another good race so lined up for the next race in stockholm it's another awesome event, another really tough field internationally and show up there. If I have a good race here, then I feel like I'm in pretty good stead to qualify for the Olympics. Um, so I get in, don't have my best swim, um, but I'm in the second bike pack and it's going okay. And I start running, I'm running really well. And then, you know, maybe one, one K, one and a half K from the finish line. We're running on cobbles, I'm smashing it. And I turn around to U-turn and bam. I feel my foot break. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. So I, I hobble home. I still finish second American there or something and second American there and get good points. But of course, I'm out for the next Olympic trials events and just sitting on the sidelines, uh, waiting and watching to see if I was going to qualify for the Olympics. And eventually, you know, those two, those two races gave me enough points to qualify for the Olympics in, in 2016. But it was once again, um, not, not the ideal buildup, but I think the point here is, is that nobody really gets an ideal buildup for the Olympics. Some guys do, but it's very few and far between people mm -hmm. who, who see an obstacle and then think that because of that obstacle, Oh, if it hadn't been for that or qualified for the Olympics, everybody, going to the Olympics has, the, has their own obstacles that they figure out how to overcome. Um, you're never going to have a clean path there. And thinking that, oh, if I hadn't broken my foot in that race, if I hadn't, hadn't done this, I would have done way better in the Olympics. Um, everybody has their issues. And if you feel, figure out your way around them well, you'll, you'll do great. Obviously, I didn't have eventually the race I wanted to at the Olympics. Um, but I was very lucky to get there. And I felt very grateful for that opportunity to race. And we appreciate that. Um... And you reached your goal, man. I think that's incredible from age nine to, you know, only a couple of years ago, uh, you did it, you got there. And I just think that is absolutely fantastic. What, 15 years in the making, maybe a little bit more than that, something like yeah, that, yeah. 15, 16 years in the making. Um, and you were able to do it. And I just think that is phenomenal. So let me just, I, I had a counter going. So I got a femur, I have two arms, a foot. Is there anything else? 
Anything else that you broke? Training another, or racing? Another couple femurs. Another, couple femurs. Okay. <laughs> another couple femurs. Couple femurs. I mean, I hear you only have two, but I mean, yeah. you never know. Three you is. Know. It is Three. what it is. Oh man, that is that is incredible, and you're you're completely right. And nothing is. As we were going back to what I said before, nothing's given to you in any of these sports. Um, you have to take it and you have to go out for it. And it sounds like you were able to do that and really just able to 100% crush it. As you said, unfortunately, it was not the race you were looking for in, um, in 2016. But you went there, as you said. Um, your goal was to represent our country and you were more than capable of doing that. And I think that that is absolutely incredible. So, um, Although I would like to clarify that please, no, please, please. very few U.S. athletes would go to the Olympics, um, at least that I knew, and feel like their goal was just to race. Of right? course. Absolutely. When I lined up, it wasn't, it wasn't like the finish line stopped at the Olympic starting line. Um, really, the Olympic starting line is, is where the goal begins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not being able to have the race there was awful. Mm-hmm. Like, just atrocious. Because um, that's, that's the day that that you remember that's the day that that you trained all those years for um so while i'm grateful that i was able to represent my country um at the same time that's always going to be coupled with the disappointment that i wasn't able to race and represent my country well um Mm -hmm. so you you can do everything that you, you, you can and you can be proud of the effort that you put in and happy with how you prepared yourself but still be devastated at the result there has to there has to always be those two feelings, and if you don't don't accept that, then it I think makes it difficult to to keep moving forward. Right? Mm-hmm. You're always going to feel disappointed with the final result, even if you're proud of the effort that you gave. Um, and it makes it it's a tough event, but it was phenomenal to be there. Absolutely, and and I mean I can say I understand, but of course I'm never actually going to understand what that's like, considering I'm never going to have that opportunity. But what the only thing I could really combat that with is if you went to nine year old Greg and said, Hey, man. You're going to go to the Olympics. It's not going to be your best race in the world, but you're going to go. You're going to, it's going to be amazing. And you're going to, everything what you wanted, obviously the race might not have went exactly as, as you might think, but you got to go and you did it. Something tells me nine-year-old Greg would have been pretty happy. No, he'd have been, he'd have been pissed. Really? <laughs> oh, all right. There. <laughs> I like nine-year-old Greg. Man, oh yeah. Nine-year-old maybe, maybe Greg knows can... what's up. <laughs> all right. Good for him. Would you look <laughs> at that? That's good stuff. Well, yeah, obviously, man, unfortunately, you know, injuries happen and there's really nothing you can do about it. And in in a sport like, I mean, many, especially a sport where Olympics is the goal, as you said, the starting line of the Olympics is the beginning of the goal uh, and finishing with the podium. Um, It's unfortunate that uh, that you only you weren't able to race the race you wanted. Um, It sucks. But at the same time, it's one of those things where we appreciate it. We understand. As I said, I'm never going to truly understand, but we really do. Um, we do appreciate your 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 time, your energy, your effort, and and unfortunately, you only get one shot every four years, and it's just uh, this is the way the cookie crumbled. And at least you'll always have that memory it's what for makes good it or special. for exactly it's special once every exactly, four years. Man. It's incredible. Um, so, <laughs> sounds like you had a pretty good time while you were there, though. Tell us, I guess, a little bit about the everything surrounding the games, opening ceremony, maybe everything essentially, but the race itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we went there, uh, the U.S. triathlon team, in order to stay focused on our event, to be able to prepare as well as we could, we didn't go to the uh, opening ceremonies. We didn't live in the Olympic Village until after our event. We stayed in a hotel that was right next to the race venue so we could get it out. We could check it out early in the morning. We could have easy access to our 
training venue, just easy access to a swim or bike or run. So really leading up to the race, it felt, obviously there were more nerves. We had a cook. That was awesome. Um, you don't usually get that at these events. Um, but it felt like a regular race leading up to the event. Um, the only time that it really kind of switched out of that is one day we did a media interview session uh, where we drove into the Olympic Village and all of a sudden, you know, you could see the whole Olympic Village, all of these huge buildings that had been built essentially just for this event. And you're like, whoa, whoa, this is a big deal. Everybody's watching this. Everybody's, you know, looking at this for a change. And I think that was the biggest difference in the lead up to the Olympic Games compared to any other year in triathlon. You generally race and train and achieve your goals and it means everything to you, but you're comfortable and familiar with it being in anonymity. And then you do the Olympics and all of a sudden everybody cares about this event. And it's, it's crazy that that mindset switch all of a sudden their interview requests. Um, people are asking for your time and Athlon compared to what other people are seeing, obviously, it's it's much to a much smaller degree. But that that level of recognition, just that switch in the Olympic year, is, is phenomenal to feel. Um, obviously, the race was you know, once a lifetime experience, and then after that, um, the coolest I think part of the Olympics for me was the closing ceremony because um, it was put on phenomenally. But it was pouring rain, so you walk into the big Rio stadium and it's pouring rain and all the Olympic athletes are just in a long, big funnel kind of pouring in everybody from different nationalities. Everybody's there partying because they've just, they've just done what they've spent their whole life training to do. And there's music, there's this stands filled with spectators, flags everywhere. It was just a moment of, I don't know, such togetherness with people who had achieved and done something so similar, but from such different backgrounds. Um, yeah, I loved, I loved the closing, closing ceremonies. That was, was my favorite part. That is, that is super cool. Thank you. You're really great with those vivid descriptions. So thank you so much. I don't know if you've thought about maybe a, a speaking gig or, or anything along those lines, but maybe that's something we talk about later. One, um, one thing that I find uh, I love asking athletes about is there's you, and you kind of alluded to it. I just want to see exactly where you fall. There's almost like two camps when it comes to your specific event or your specific race, actually being at the Olympics and competing. Either you try and pretend that it's every, it's the same exact race and you've done it and you've done it a thousand times. You're going to do it a thousand more. It's not a big deal. Or you really try and embrace the fact that this is the Olympics. This is my one-time shot. Unfortunately, again, with your injury, it is what it is. But did you did you see yourself falling into either of those camps or maybe somewhere on that spectrum? Um, of either pretending like it's not a big deal or, or really trying to go at it and get it and do everything that you possibly can? I think there's the balance. Obviously, you want to keep your preparation the same for every event. You don't want to start overthinking an event just because it's bigger. You don't want to start overthinking your preparation, your warm-up, your routine, your sleeping routine the night before just because you think you can possibly squeeze something extra out of it. But I think what some people are able to do, and I wasn't able to at the Olympics, was um, kind of capture that emotion of the, of the games and really ride it to, a, to achieve, you know, a next-level performance. Um, and I think that's what was way different about the Olympics than any other event is people 
everybody that was their key event for the year, which meant everybody was either going to go 100% and blow up or everybody or they were going to go 100% and win. And it was crazy to be part of that. It just completely changed the dynamics of the event because people who you'd beat on any other circumstance are going to go out all out. 99% of the time they're going to explode, but this time, hey, it's the Olympics. They might as well go for it. If it's podium or bust, then you're going to go podium and probably bust. Uh, and that was that was cool to be part of. Um, but really, it comes down to maintaining your routine, not overthinking it, and then letting that emotion, letting letting the moment help bring you to a better performance. And sometimes you're able to do that, and sometimes you aren't. And if you can do that at Olympics, that's a phenomenal talent. Where else would you want to do it? I always just found it interesting how many, uh, after talking to so many athletes and just like, oh yeah, my PR was this. And then I crushed it by like 10 seconds. It's like, whoa, like how did that, that, that's, that's not something that comes out of nowhere. Clearly it's, uh, it was either boiling up or, or as you said, you really can take those emotions and run with it and really ride it. Um, and I just think that is awesome. So Greg, uh, one last question. You recently retired, man. Sorry to hear that. I guess it was it was your time. You had to do what you had to do. Was it another femur? I got it. No, I'm kidding. What? Um, so what have you been doing uh, in the last few years, or I guess the last year and change, it seems like, um, since you retired? And, and, and I guess what are some of your goals moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always wanted to, or not always, uh, for the last year, I've been working at Visa in San Francisco which has been awesome. They created a really cool program for retiring Olympians, um, which is a rotational program in their company. So every six months you move to a different department uh, within Visa for starting in October. I think for the next six months, I'm probably going to be working in Dubai, which will be really cool. Um, but I think what I really wanted after triathlon was to find that next thing that I was passionate about. Right. I knew I was getting a lot of injuries by the end of my career and I knew that it was it was time to to figure something out. Um and I'd always wanted to have a job in San Francisco, kind of work in tech and see what that was about. And the job came up at Visa was phenomenal because that rotational element allowed me to experience experience a bunch of different areas of business. And doing that has, you know, helped me realize the things that I'd like to do in a corporate setting and the things that um, you know, I'm not quite as inclined to do and I think over the next couple of years is going to be figuring out a bit more precisely what um what that is love it man well congratulations shout out visa we appreciate what you do um Greg that's it for me this was fantastic um love your personality love your charisma it's been absolutely phenomenal again one more time Greg Billington USA triathlon United States Olympian 2016 Greg thank you so much man thank you Mike this was great Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Greg Billington. Super fun. As I said, one of easily one of the most charismatic people I've ever met and getting to talk to him. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you guys don't mind, please share, review, subscribe, um, comment. I don't know. Tell all your friends about it. I think our Olympic athletes deserve more. And if the least we can do is listen to their very interesting stories, I think we're doing a pretty good job. So um, thank you guys again. Please make sure to follow Greg on all his socials. They will be in the show notes, as well as make sure to follow us at Our Athletes on Instagram. If you have any questions, please email me, michael at ourathletes.us. Um, oh yeah, Instagram at ourathletes.us. I always forget that part. But thank you guys so much again. Sincerely do appreciate it and hope you have a wonderful day.